Blog Talk Radio. The zombies have broken through. I repeat, zombies! <laughs> oh my god! Zombies been bad! Okay, I think we're live. Cap, are you there? Cap. Daryl, are you there? Yep, here. Okay. Uh, well, folks, <laughs> these things happen. Uh, my apologies, uh, technical difficulties. If you haven't guessed it, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd Midweek in Review. See, I'm, I'm totally screwed up. The ground, Grindhouse, folks, the Grindhouse, and we screwed up. Um, Cap, are you there? I see that his, his line is there. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's go to a quick groove. Let's try to try to try to recapitulate and get this going, Daryl. My apologies to you. Um, unfortunately, these things do happen beyond my control. So, um, a quick song, and then we'll try to get all the parties, the, the entire podcast podcast crew together. This is Al Green remix. Give you about two minutes, and then we'll get to the show. Hold on.
Okay, we're back. Again, apologies for the technical difficulties. I think Claire is forthcoming. I have Dow here, and the cat should be coming in a few moments. Folks, this is the Grindhouse, a delayed Grindhouse because of stupid technical difficulties, but that is the way things go, unfortunately. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Dow, let's, let's just kind of just get into it, no pretense. Black Panther released this week under the tutelage of Tanasi Coates, Atlantic writer, um, pretty much today's young intellectual. Uh, he can sell books. You know, he's, he's you know he's highly controversial, um, but he he's a, a very much a Marvel head. He's a he's a blurred. He knows the mythology, so. We've been waiting a long time for this. So what are your thoughts about how he's approaching it, issue number one? He takes elements from previous runs, like McGregor, like Priest, like Hudlin, and he he interweaves it in in a nice tapestry while, while adding something new to it. I mean, I didn't expect that from the Dora Mihai. I didn't expect that, but that happened. I we've been long wondering what the fate of Shuri was, and we kind of get it there, and that plays into what what Black Panther's role is. And at the same time, we see the unrest in the country or the unrest in the country, and he weaves it in a sort of narrative that was priest-like, giving you snippets of each thing, you know. And and if you piece it all together, you get the story and the narrative. And for an issue one, he provides a steep ledge that makes you wonder, well, if T'Challa gets one or two of these things accomplished, he's still going to have one or two things on this side that's going to bite him in the butt. How the heck is he going to tie up all of these things and, and into a nice tidy bow. It's an ambitious start, and it it, it it guarantees, at least for the eleven confirmed issues, a roller coaster ride. Because truly, truly, Panther may have no friends left, and that's a da- a, a dangerous situation to be in if you are a sovereign of a nation. Back to you, Effner. Yeah, you know, I, I got to say that I think that this is the first time, well, not the first time, I know that they've done comics where they were, you know, the storyline was more in Wakanda, and you got more of the Wakandan po- political thing. But this seems to be really going in deep with giving us a better, a, a bird's-eye view of what life is like in Wakanda. You know, you're, you're seeing more of the palatial aspects of the nation. Now, I mean, we saw some stuff like that before, but... It seems like it's a little bit more um, definitive this time. Uh, we also see, from what I've been reading, I'm reading, you know, as far as uh, the expectations of the book, Tanasi he expects to deal with folks that are not necessarily keen on having a, a monarch. You know, what, what does it like, what, you know, what's the deal with uh, elections and that kind of thing? So it, it's very much tapping into what we see in real life with African sovereignty. 
So it's it, it's it's going to go a lot. He's a deep dude. You know, whether you agree with his politics or not, he's a deep dude. There's going to be a lot of um, allegory in his take of the Panther. Uh, I can tell you right now, sold out in many places. We we spoke about this a few weeks ago that they were talking about upwards of three hundred thousand plus. But I think it's going to be a lot more than that. Uh, hey, I said it when when I entered the 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 comic shop in the city. It was the most people of color I've ever seen in there for at one time. And it's a Wednesday. It's it's new comic day. And, and it's like it's 10 a.m. And I'm seeing kids, women, and not just black, but Latino, Asian, Arabic, buying Black Panther. So I'm like, you know what? The buzz... It, I had no idea Mr. Coates' fan base was so varied, but it brought a lot of new people to the shop. And it was crowded as heck. And like I said, people looking looking at me uh, picking up the book and also seeing, oh, shoot, what, what, which book is this? Oh, it's the Priest Collected Volume 3. You mean there was Black Panther before Mr. Coates? I was like, yeah, there was Black Panther before Mr. Coates, and I got a couple people to buy the the Priest Complete Collections. And again, this is where certain comic companies doing it right. Both Jim Hanley and Midtown also had the Huddling Collections right out there too. So if you picked up the Time Nisi Coates one, you got to see. The, the priest and the huddling connections all out there too so that was a smart business move so there is a lot of Black Panther fans now let's put it that way uh, to the listening audience once again technical difficulties abound and my apologies uh, I, I believe Captain's coming forward at some point uh, behind the scenes everything was going going smoothly but about three minutes three minutes before we were going on air all hell broke loose and everything just snapped off, including uh, the captain. So I'm trying to reach him uh, even as we speak, but uh, I, I will assume he's coming in eventually. Uh, my apologies to Claire. I see Claire's on the line as well. Um, yeah, hey, listen, these things happen. Even with a uh, not so much of a virtual studio, but a uh, brick-and-mortar studio, these things happen. So it is what it is. Uh, Claire, how are you, by the way? I'm doing okay. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty well, good. Well, hey, Claire, um, it looks like there's room for you on Arrow no, now. Claire for Cheshire, folks. Claire for Cheshire. Claire for Cheshire. Yeah, you know, whatever you guys do, going. folks. I mean, I mean, you know, as soon as I heard that Katie Cassidy was going to do some sort of Earth 2 thing for The Flash, I don't know. I was already kind of starting to suspect that something was going on because, remember, we had seen – uh, we had seen flash forward, you know, clips on Arrow about somebody in, you know, buried and in a cemetery, and we don't know who it is. Well, now we know. So there is a I don't know. I'm like two episodes behind. <laughs> I'm like, so, so there is a Cheshire coming through? No, I'm just saying that there's room for her on the show now. You are just going to have to catch up. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, hey, Claire, also put in applications for uh, Sleepy Hollow because I don't know if you paid attention, but uh, last night 
uh, the Sleepy Hollow fan base erupted, and um, very erupted. So if if you're a lead actress anywhere and you want to do scary sci-fi, Sleepy Hollow's got a spot open. And, yeah, people aren't happy about this. Uh-oh. We got a just call. Show is call. Yeah, yeah just just check my feed. Check my feed. You'll see. I will. I'll, op- I'll be sure up. to take a look. Let's open up the lines, and uh, as we talk about Tanasi's Black Panther release this week, and the fact that if there is a, you know, uh, you said you were you really weren't familiar with the popularity of Coates, but Coates, uh, to liter- literati, I mean, he's a best-selling author, and you were wondering about how he's able to kind of do the cross-racial thing. That's that's what makes him interesting is because he he speaks in a a, a black voice and I mean that as you know listen there's different black voices but he would, he speaks in a way that you would think would turn off uh, whites especially but that's probably one of his biggest fan bases would be from the white community who are uh, imbibing with someone who is. Quintessentially black. I mean, he's pro-black, political, the whole thing. Black Lives Matter. That's Tanasi Coates, and he has fans. So that's why I knew that if they, if white folks can can deal with Tanasi Coates, with what he does on the intellectual side and political writings. I mean, he wrote a a a, a, um, a famed case last year, a lengthy article in the Atlantic uh, called "The Case for Reparations." So if you have a guy that that can write an article about the case for reparations that was popular, and then he has all these books that are coming out and best-selling, uh, you have people that probably are not into comics that are walking into that comic store because they they just want to just get with anything, get anything that this guy writes. Uh, let's go to the phone seven zero three. Welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up, everybody? Is it Black Ronin? Hey, Black, what's up, hey, man? Hey, what's up, man? Didn't recognize right, your number. Now, yeah, what's up? I think that that Black Panther, man, is, is, he, so far he's setting a good foundation. I agree a lot with what uh, Daryl was saying. Oh, hi, Claire, by the way. Hello as well. Um, hey, how are you? All right, doing doing well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's setting a really solid foundation for uh, Black Panther. I'm, I'm glad he's building off of what previously happened. And not doing a soft reboot, kind of like Hudlin did, uh, introducing people we never heard of before or new new features and everything. So I'm really appreciating him doing that um, with the book. I I, already, I bought two copies. I got two different covers. <laughs> I got my second cover today. Um, Wait, which uh, ones did you get? Which ones did you get? I got the one, of course, with the Black Panther on the cover. That's the first one I got Wednesday. And today uh, I got the one with his mom and dad. And oh, you got the Sanford <laughs> Green cover. That's nice. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I also like the way he really inter- he's really focusing on Wakanda, which is but it's been a long time coming. I agree with you there, Deeper. This has been a long time coming from really getting to Wakanda itself. How much vibranium means to them? Putting it, looking at their technology more closely, um, um, looking at the causes of the uprising, focusing on the, the, what Nagandan, the, the nation next door. Who's always been problems or trouble for for Wakanda? Um, I like the way he's piecing things from the past, interwoving them into the storyline now. So right now, so far it's a good thing. I mean, he got a little more issues to go, but so far I think he's getting off on the, on the right foot. Um, yeah. 
And, and, well, I wouldn't and credit to Mr. Cooks, too. I wouldn't be surprised Sorry. if they pressure if they pressure Coach to do more work if his sales are the way that they are. I mean, you know, when I was in a shop, you had folks asking for it, and again, not necessarily looking like the, like a typical Black Panther fan. Uh, now right. I really can't say what a typical Black Panther fan is, um, but you know, you know, something that I've spoken about quite a few, quite a few times on the show is that when they do these, when they have these comic books. And especially since we're always talking about diversity and we want to see all these things. Uh, I mean, one would think that whether it's Marvel, DC, or Image, if you have a black book that's doing 300,000 sales plus in an era that really doesn't pull down those numbers that, that easily, they're going to have to, you would think, they would, they would actually do some kind of rejiggering to figure out, okay, who and how do we sell to people? Obviously, Books can sell if you set it yeah. up the right way. If you have the right writer, the right artist, um, you have enough enough uh, interest in in what's going on. I mean, books can sell. So like you, you're just not selling the books. I mean, heck, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Wonder Woman book, which I did not get. That sold out. The Wonder Woman Earth Two. I'm sorry, probably Earth One. Um, again, that book. They rejig it a lot. It's political, a lot of sexual innuendo. There's a lot of stuff going on with Wonder Woman. That's the, uh, the um, uh, Garrett, uh, what's his name? Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, yeah. Um, I mean, these things are going on now. Women, minorities, they seem to be taking the forefront from the books that you would think would be popular. What, is, what does that say, actually? But... But as you bring up women and minorities, firstly, we'd be remiss to not credit Brian Stelfreeze on, on the art in, in uh, Black Panther. He, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's not – you, I, and I, I freely admit this. It's not my usual type of art, but I get – Laura Martin on Colors makes his stuff pop off the page. Yeah. And oh, those yeah. action yeah. scenes were frenetic. Uh, just – the the Dora Michal scene with the the I don't want to give it away, but it, there's a bust out. Oh, yeah, there's a prison break. You know, there's a bust out, and you actually felt the punches in the rays if you read the book. That's how it popped off the page. So yeah. I give them credit for that. I give them total credit for that. And there's issues in the book of a sexual nature. Yep. Involving yep. the king, involving the Dharma High, and one yep. of the things, uh, and uh, this is what I give credit to, to Coates for, he didn't shy away from the questions on Twitter. Guys were asking him straight up, and and Coates was just answering the questions, not with a, a, a void, not with a thing, but essentially it's 2016. If you can't accept this now, if you can't accept that certain things are happening behind the scenes, you know, then I can't help you. But there was more going on to the book than this. If you're focusing only on this, then you're missing the point. And I give Coates credit for that because we've seen a lot of creators shy, kind of shy away from issues that they bring up in books. Like, oh, 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 he came out right in front saying, yeah, that's in there. You'll see. Let the story build. You'll see what happens. 
I'm building to something. And sure enough, issue one is definitely building to something. Yeah. Well, I, because, I, I, of, I, because of that. Yeah. Well, because of that, I'm, I'm going to have to reread it because the intimacy between Adora Milaje, I don't think we ever saw that. So he, he's exploring that in his particular run of of uh, of the book. I'm looking at the the Daily Beast, uh, thedailybeast.com. I'll put a link in our um, in our chat room, and it goes to show you. I mean, they're making this. This is really becoming a phenomenon because they have all these video clips, and they're, they're talking to um, uh, black comic book fans, and you know, folks are talking about the representation. I mean, I, you know, it's it's, it's as if Black Panther's coming out for the first time. Black Panther has been rebooted, what, I don't know, ten times at, at, at minimum, maybe? In different yeah, ways? You, know, you know what? I, like, I want to say something about that. Um, okay, I, I, I read McGregor, a little bit of McGregor stuff back in the, I want to say, what, late 80s, early 90s? Oh, um, uh, you're not even going all the way back to jungle action. You're going to, to no, late no, 80s, yeah. early 90s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was introduced, I was introduced to Black Panther by a um, – my 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 Sifu, his son. I actually knew his son and his wife beforehand. They were friends with my mom and everything. And his and his son was a big Black Panthers fan. And he's a little younger than me at the time. I was like a late, late my late teens. And I wasn't really feeling that book very. I didn't really. I didn't really become a Black Panther fan until Priest run. Even before Priest, I this is something about the way the character was written and the things that were being projected about him and the way. Um, he was written and everything, the way the producer was supposed to be, that just didn't appeal to me at the time. When Priest came on the scene, that's when I really felt something for the character. Um, the art popped. The writing was unique. It wasn't your, it wasn't your typical superhero book. It, it, um, the way he presented the Black Panther, it, it, he, it, I think you said it before, Deeper, that Priest gave him that Batman you know, mystique that he needed in order for what he needed to be in the Marvel Universe. And that's probably why I got latched onto him because I was always a Batman fan. Um, but Black Panther it was always something missing with him to me, and Priest brought that out. Uh, as well as starting to go I more wanna... into what kind of society is about and other things. Hudland, um, Hudland's run, and I'm kind of you know, 50-50 with it. Um, my personal opinion is that I think the good thing he did with what Hudland did is that he made it more about the nation and not put everything on the Panther for why the nation is so great and everything. But I think he did really well, and I think and I think that's what really what what Coates is really focusing on and building off of even further. But that's just my you know uh, couple of cents. The ca- the captain has arrived. Cap, my apologies. You know we, we were working on this behind the scenes. Everything seemed to be okay, and as per per usual, snapped off like three minutes before we went on air. Uh, I have the same issue. We're talking about here. obviously. <laughs> you had the same issue. I was, I was trying yeah. to meet you. I was like, man, I was like, what happened? I'm, I'm going right. to my well, listen, phone. I only, have partial, I only have partial, partial access. access now. Yeah. Uh, are you sure Indigo? Coming, are you sure Indigo didn't attack your computer systems, folks? <laughs> well, on the on the bright side, that mean would mean the 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 lovely blonde bombshell will appa- uh, appear to either one of you. But on the downside, it did attack your computer systems. Cap, um, I have your extra issue, by the way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a okay. few other issues of the variants. Uh, so it goes to show you. I mean, I do buy variants here and there, although I do think it's a money grab. 
But oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I appreciate the variants more than I did the foil covers in the '90s. So we have to I have to be honest about what the variants represent. But for this particular um, character, I'm going to buy more variants. They have you know they have the uh, Jay Z uh, hip hop variant, which is kind of interesting. So I might get that. There's a few of them that that are pretty cool. Um, but I was saying before when you talked about interest in the Black Panther. Uh, he was always an odd, an odd figure because he was called this king or prince throughout uh, his tenure with the Avengers, but he was always, always a background, back, uh, a background player, and yeah. you never really got a real good. Like they, they never gave him. I mean, this is typical. Claire knows about this. This is, this is what they they they, they get someone in there. They have you just for face value only. So for many years. I knew him only as this cat that had this really cool costume and that he was agile, but he never really, he was never really considered like that dude. When the priest run came around, that's when I saw they had uh, Everett Ross, which we'll probably see in the movie. Um, I always envisioned him. I always envisioned him. Well, actually, I think we know who he's going to be. He's the gentleman that plays, uh, uh, what's his name? He's a, he's a, well, a British actor. Watson. Yeah, yeah Watson. And also in the, and also in the um, Hobbit films, correct? Yes. Martin Freeman. Yeah. Thank you, Martin Freeman. So it looks like he's going to be the the Everett Ross character. Although, in the run, it looked like it was a Michael J. Fox analog. Yeah. I just envision Michael J. Fox being. I mean, he has Parkinson's. It's kind of messed up. But he would have been a perfect. He would have been a perfect Everett Ross, and he was drawn that way. But yeah. that's but that's the thing about the priest run. I could tell you exactly when I went. You know what? He can't be a background character anymore. It was the Times Square scene, all right? Um, just to give people insight, right? So. Black Panther comes to New York, all right, a mystery with a, a, a child killed on a foundation that he bankrolls here in, in New York, all right, and he's uh, investigating. In the midst of the investigation, okay, he, he runs into the Avengers, and he has a gala that's at Times Square, all right? So in the gala, of course, the only people of color is him. And and his Dora Majai, right? Is, so so uh, uh, so uh, like um, a a congressman from from the Bronx or Brooklyn who went to school with T'Challa decided, you know what? I'm going to invite a whole bunch of people that this gala forgot. So mm-hmm. in the midst of Times Square. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of black people all through there just wanted to get a glimpse of their king. In the midst of all of this, it's revealed that the Panther joined the Avengers just to spy on them. Oh, yeah, there's an insurrection happening at Wakanda the same time. And, oh, yeah, he's still doing the investigation in this girl's murder. And somehow Panther is balancing all of this in his head. At the yep. same time, that's what I was like. You know what? He's now badass. This this is great. This, yep. this is awesome. Yep. He he is no longer a background character. And if Marvel ever makes him a background character again, 
Yeah, yeah. They can eat something that I can't describe on air. <laughs> well, that, that's, what be, that's what becomes problematic when you when you think about these properties because as time goes on, it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, you, you you could only have Batman fight the Joker for the fifteen thousand fifteen thousand time. Um, at some point, there's, there's enough story to go around. They start to actually tap into certain things. Like if you if you're going to tap into Wakanda, why can't you tap into Wakanda as a culture? Like what what is it? Like we might be seeing this with Tanasi's run, but what does it mean to so. be a Wakandan citizen? What does it mean, you know? Uh, to be a, a store owner or a, a Wakandan street or housing. I mean, I mean, this may, this may sound goofy, but it, it allows for storytelling. But if you always treat these characters as like these ancillary characters, you created a, a an African prince in 66. And from from like 66 to around 90-something, he's just this guy in the background that gets hit first, and then Captain America does all the, 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 the heavy lifting. That's all I remember, that he had a cool costume but really wasn't a threat. But when we saw the Christopher Priest run, we saw that he took out Mephisto Mm -hmm. because he had scientists working on that. I mean, when I saw that, that did it for me. I said, okay, this guy is better than Batman on some level, on many levels. Batman does it by himself or with Alfred. He doesn't have a team of scientists, even though he is – He's, you know, he, he has uh, his own, his own strengths. For you to be, to be of a certain power set, and then to have scientists working with you, please, next level. Exactly. That's what that was a problem. That's always been a problem with me with the character up until Priest Run is that it didn't make sense, and that's and that's why I was saying earlier about him going more into Wakanda because that was really the first inkling of it with Priest. He started doing more into Wakanda. Wakanda society, then then Hudlum really took it to, I think, to another level where he was like, you know, they've always been this unconquerable kingdom, and and yeah, you always had the Black Panthers to lead, but there's always people supporting him as well, and he he really, I think Hudlum expanded it even more. I mean, I I just didn't appreciate him adding in Shuri as his sister. I I still think she should be a cousin. I think she really should be like Sion, his uncle's child, or whatever it is. First cousins are just as good as a brother or sister. I don't understand the need for him to make him you know, redo his origin story and add in the sister. To me, that really made no, that made, that did not make much sense. But there's enough there that he can just kind of tap into other pieces and then add other people as needed and everything. Yeah, um, like Hunter. You know. Yeah, exactly, like Hunter. Yeah. I mean, the doctor. Well, what, one last I mean, thing. You know, I mean, one last thing because we are running under time. One last thing because we are running under time constraints. Okay. And bad. then we'll move to the Rogue <laughs> One, the Rogue One discu- dis- uh, discussion. Um, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we will see with uh, Mr. Coates's run. Maybe, and Dal, maybe you can answer this, and then we'll move along. Any chance that he might rekindle his relationship with Storm? Ha! That, Yay! Coates, Coates said need to, everything well. is on the table. Coates, Coates or someone. said everything is on the table. He said his run, if you are a big Black Panther fan, then somewhere there's an allusion to a time period that you really like. So there is no way, no way for these first, like, like, like he said, he's got the first 11 comics scripted, and Still Freeze has drawn like six or seven of them already. 
So there is no way he can do 11 straight issues and not make some sort of illusion or half storm there. You, yeah. you know we would riot. He has to, yeah. Michael Lynn, too. Maybe bring Michael Lynn back, you know. His first love, yeah. Maybe bring her back as well. All right. Uh, Black, I'm going to keep you on for a moment, because I know everyone wants to talk about this trailer that we saw. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, which, is, which is yet another prequel. Now, I will say this. For someone who's not a Star Wars guy, not really. I'm, st- I'm on Team Star Trek. This interests me as as a prequel. We saw what they did oh, with the yeah. prequels. Oh yeah. And and they just the, the prequels damn near ruined the franchise. Yeah. This particular this particular I mean, based on the trailer and the fact that they have someone like Forrest Whitaker in tow, who is a phenomenal I would still say, even though he has an Oscar win, I still think he's an underrated dude. If you ever saw his run on the shield when he came in to take down the Vic Mackey character, he was incredible. So, looking at this, it appears to be again, again, it's uh, what happens before the first Star Wars, uh, 1977's Star Wars, and this is supposed to be more, more of an actual, more of an actual war, like you know, more warlike than the other ones, and uh, just the trailer just. This was just engaging. I mean, it got me. So, what are your thoughts about? Let, let's go to let's go to the captain. Captain, did you see Rogue One that trailer? Yes. Well, first of all, remember decisions are done in the limbic system, so all your decisions are totally emotional. So, when I saw this, I got emotional. Let me explain to you why. Number one, I like Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen tells his <laughs> people, which are Chinese. I'm with you. He says, he says, eh, Chinese people are going to make the movie. I charge you six or seven million dollars. You Americans, ten million. All right, I like that. You understand? I like that. Remember the whole situation with Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee had to go back to his people, then come back the other way in order to get that guap. You understand? That's just what it is. So that alone, right there, I like, and I like Donnie Yen. Now, to talk about the last Star Wars movie, Force Awakens. Force Awakens, no offense, you Star Wars fans, it was a very glossy, 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 shiny, good-looking, somewhat CW type of situation that was all right, with a lot of energy that was built up in it from 1977. Can't complain about it. That's what it was. When I saw this trailer, that little trailer was better than that whole Star Wars movie, and that's all I have to say about it. So I'm intrigued. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to go in. I'm more excited about this. And that's Star Wars. That's all. Back over to you, Afrinerds. And something else, I want Claire to, to comment on this as well, because this is something that we're, we, we all of us are about. Um, this is probably one of the most diverse, ethnically diverse science fiction films I've seen, well, I've seen, it, that has positioned itself from the beginning. You have um, Diego Luna. He's there, uh, along with Donnie Yen and Jiang Wen. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, of course. I mean... Now, you know, this is not, it's clearly not 1977. You know, 1977, you know, it goes to show you how things, it took 40 years, I mean, I mean, realistically, literally 40 years to get a cast that's this diverse for a Star Wars film. So what are your thoughts about, just to Claire, your thoughts about Rogue One as a trailer and, and what we're starting to see? 
Well, you know, the cat, you know, took the words out of my mouth. I'm excited. In fact, I'm much more intrigued by what I've seen in this teaser trailer than with with The Force Awakens. And I get it. I get why people are excited about The Force Awakens or why it made like two billion plus. I get it. The nostalgia is a powerful thing. And it wiped the taste of episodes one, two, and three out of our mouths. So, you know, but basically if you really break it down, it's fun. It's, it's you know, it's a, a retelling of A New Hope, episode four. You know, it's pretty much identical. Um, from from what I can tell, I I had heard that it was going to be a diverse cast, but to actually see it, to actually see this little clip, I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm absolutely excited because, you know, same with you. I'm more Team Treks as opposed to Team Wars, man. I, I appreciate Star Wars, but I... <laughs> As much as you know, I can uh, you know, I can't even talk right now. I apologize. Um, there are no Asians, <laughs> okay? There are no Asians. There's like no color in the original trilogy. We can all be real about that. You know, as as fun as it is, it's an icon. It's part of the pop culture, but that is a fact. And even with another fun, you know, sci-fi space opera which I love, I adore, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that movie a dozen times. It's very quotable. It's hilarious. It's very charming and clever. But again, not a whole lot of color. And you would think that in that realm, in science fiction, that would be the environment in which all of us get to play. Because apparently it has to be a thousand years into the future and somewhere out in the far reaches of the universe in order to see different types of faces, different types of skin and hair and shapes and sizes and whatnot. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That does bother me a bit, you know, even as much as I love those movies. So to see this, to see this trailer, to see a woman, to see Donnie Yen, to see Diego Luna, to see... Uh, uh, Riz Ahmed. I mean, th- this is truly a movie of the time, and I'm excited. It looks dark and sinister, and, and it's more of a kind of espionage element to it. But that's what's so exciting about it. It's not forced into formula as the main trilogies. I mean, it, it's its own thing. It's a spinoff. We're gonna have more of these spinoffs with. An origin story for Han Solo and Chewie. We're going to have another one for Boba Fett. You know, I mean, these are allowed to be more experimental, and that to me is more interesting than than the, you know episodes seven, eight, nine, and following into that that structure. I don't understand. Are people really freaking out? Are people really freaking out about a woman? Oh, I'm about, about to get into that, Claire. I'm about to get into that. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So what? What is the deal? Because again, again, I'm not. I'm not a big. This, this is probably the only Star Wars that after uh, one, two, and what is it? It's not one, two, and three. Was it seven, eight, nine, four, five, or whatever? Four, whatever. Five, four, five, six. <laughs> four, five. Six. I, I, I can tell you more about Star Trek. Point. That's just that's just, that's just me. 
All but right. Snake actually has, has me interested. So what's, what is the big deal this time? All right, so essentially this, okay? Firstly, uh, like everybody else, big ups to Donnie Yen. Because think about it. You start off the year getting that fight clip with him and Tyson, okay? Then you hear, oh, Donnie Yen's going to be in some of the Fast and Furious movies. And now he's going to be in, in, in the, the Star Wars thing. Hey, money, hand over fist. There it is. Talented actor. He's doing his thing, okay? Now, the, the, the trailer, awesome. Awesome. Makes my mouth water. It's great. Because remember, the rebellion in New Hope, or excuse me, Episode 4, didn't just happen to have the Death Star plans. Someone had to go in and get the Death Star plans. And that's what we're going to see here, how she and whatever group she has actually goes in to get the Death Star plans and come out. And if you've read the the comic, if you've read the Marvel comic, and I would recommend you pick up the Star Wars annual to see how it isn't exactly easy for rebellion spies to get into the Empire. So I want to see that translated on film. Now, here is the problem. And I got into a great discussion with uh, Black Girl Nerds, Blurred Girl, and and several others about this because there was a palpable backlash on the trailer about oh we we're having just Force Awakens again here oh why can't a white male be the lead oh it's a white girl again and I'm just looking at it like really that you saw that most sci-fi diverse trailer. Uh, for a major motion picture release, and you focus on the white girl. You don't focus on the throwback homage to the, what, what was she, general? The 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 short-haired, that was a general, right? So the, the one there. Okay. That they released this on Throwback Thursday, and it was an exact likeness. Props, props to yeah. Abrams' group on that. Props to that, because I was geeking out on that. But I digress. There, there is still these guys that are stuck on, well, you know, uh, an action film or a sci-fi film can't be a sci-fi film unless the lead is a white male. <sighs> Troglodytes, cavemen, prehistoric guys, wake up. You're hearing clear. Yeah, yeah, you're hearing Captain. You're hearing Afro Nerd. Lord knows you hear me. It's 2016. All right? I don't know where you've been living, but if you look outside your door, it's not really white out there anymore. The world has been Pleasantville. Not Pleasantville, black and white. Pleasantville, Technicolor. Join us in the new age. Or get run over. <laughs> get run over. Because, hey, Donnie Yen, Forrest Whitaker, they're there now. You can't get rid of them. All right? We're going to get the Poe Dameron stuff coming out soon, too. That's there. And, oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker had a daughter. Live with it. Accept it. But, but you guys are such big fans that... You don't realize that if you read the novels for years or the Dark Horse stuff, there was diversity in that too, fools. You're such big fans. Hey, D 
Did you read the novels? There was always diversity in there. Oh, and and by the way, let me let me just remind them something. Sonya Solo. There's a reason Marvel introduced her in the series. Get ready. Han Solo origin film. Sonya Solo. And I'm out. Back to you, Afro nerd. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I kind of suspected that they were going to make. So when I when I when I saw the trailer, I noticed that. Well, first of all. For a Star Wars film, I was very keyed in on the dialogue. This very, very serious, you know, more serious than I would expect for a Star Wars film in a certain way. But also the dialogue was a lot more um, fierce, more yeah. compelling. That's the first. It, it came off so much not like a Star Wars film in a way. So it's, I think it's going to tap into a lot of different things. If that dialogue is is just a um, an example of what we're going to expect for the entirety of the film. or I mean, that level of, you know, taking those shorts, as they say, on the street. Um, I'm, all, I'm all in. I'm all in. But I will say this, as far as diversity, um, it is a funny thing when you hear back, backlash because of the white male trope. Like the, the white male trope has been in existence since the beginning of filmmaking. So for one film... Or a couple of films that we're sprinkling from here and now. You're mad. I mean, that's the part that gets me. But I, I will say, secondly, that the, the white female thing, they may have to straighten that out too, because gender yeah. and race, they could have easily put a Native American woman there, an Asian woman there, a black woman there. Didn't have to necessarily you be a white woman. Easily. No, I, I, easily. Did again. <laughs> well, I don't know about I mean, easily. No, 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 no. You know what I'm trying to say. I say they could have easily done that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have done anything. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's easier, or they, they don't. They're not even thinking that way. But the white, the, the white female might have been put in place as a femme fatale, but she was always getting work. What I'm saying is, white women. We understand that 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 that, that, that the gender issue is a real one, but. Still, they could have put a woman of color to tap into that demographic and to be respectful. It doesn't always have to be the white the white woman lead. <clears throat> That's why that I've too. already started the the Nicole for Monica hashtag also. Because uh, hey Marvel, you know there's spectrum. You're doing that Captain Marvel movie. Well, I know yeah. a Nicole Bicari that uh, can kick ass. Go yeah, like Monica Rambeau right there. Anyway, back yeah. back to this. Yeah, yeah. What was that? White women? Yeah. Okay, go. Because if they're going to talk about gender, listen, we all we all want to be represented. We all want to be represented. So listen, I get it. I get it. It's like, oh, it's got to be a white person. It's got to be a white. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. You know, well, it's it's a slow process. Change is a slow process. All right. Now. I I can't even begin to try to to explain or justify or discuss you know why having a female character is is perfectly fine to Neanderthals whose complaint isn't based on facts and statistics or reality it's just based on fear and contempt you know I mean I I'm I'm just baffled I'm baffled listen listen we had the same issues with people thinking that, oh, 
the whole Mad Max, you know, movie being more of a feminist bent on it was, you know, was, you know, ruining the franchise. Oh my God, what are you doing, George Miller? I mean, we're we had the same issues come up with the Force Awakens. Of course, we're gonna have it now, but honestly, honestly, just based on what we've seen in this tiny little clip, this is so much more compelling than the whole lot of what The Force Awakens was. The Force Awakens yeah. was was just, you know, goofy, fun, silly, adventurous. But honestly, it wasn't that interesting. Let's just be real. No, no. It wasn't a whole lot of depth. And no. even with the characters. Yeah, okay, you got a, a, a girl, a female girl, and a black man, and you got a, a Cuban-Guatemalan pilot. Yeah, awesome. Very... Very Disney, very much of the you know this this day and age. But the story itself, the story itself kind of was lacking. Let was weak. And speaking of speaking of, I was just thinking about this. I was so excited when they said that they were going to have those three guys from the raid. They wasted wasted that talent. Listen, it's one thing to have Asians. Up in there, it's another thing to have people who can do some martial arts or you know fight choreography. But we are talking oh, so about bad. these three guys from the raid. We know what they can do, and you have them gobbled up by some alien creature within two seconds. Oh come on! I, I, I often said that Claire is the female version of me, or at least I'm her <laughs> doppelganger, or she's my doppelganger. We all remember my rant on this one. I I went the only way they could make that up is if that 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 stormtrooper that with the the riot stormtrooper that fights with with uh, Finn in the middle of that if he was one of them or a clone of one of them or what and he'll be back because that's the only way you make that up because um, yeah yeah if you've ever ever seen the raid or 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 the raid 2 if you if you've never seen it why are you listening to us go and see it go For real. that took fighting fight yeah. scenes to a whole nother level just like how daredevil it has increased okay you can't come with no weak stuff anymore in your fight scenes raid did that for action movies Go like no longer do I see guns rolling down the stairs and running into people or people running into the bullets. No more of that. No, 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 no. Raid to raid prove that anybody is a weapon and they can use anything as a weapon. <laughs> let's go to a let's go to a quick call and then we're gonna go to a groove and then we're gonna talk about some more stuff. Four eight four. Welcome to the Grindhouse. And apologies to our early tech problems. Hey, it's Q Storm. How are you guys doing? Hey, Q. Pretty good, man. Hey. What's up? You guys touched on a few uh, things that, uh, in, in regards to the trailer. You know, I don't have a problem with a uh, female lead. I just, you know, we. I just want, it just should be clear that they're not doing this to be gracious. They're just doing this because they're chasing the Katniss dollars. That's all that's about. And probably because they're trying to draw more females into the Star Wars universe since they're rebooting the whole thing with, uh, you know, ever since The Force Awakens came out. <clears throat> I would have preferred to have seen something different from Rey, maybe a black, like, like Debra said, a, a black female, Asian female, something, just something different, but that's what that is. It is what it is. But I'm gonna, I hope this isn't controversial, but I'm going to tell you why I 
loved this trailer. First of all, even though this is a prequel, I think it's brilliant because it's going to get people of my generation, it's going to give them their original stormtroopers back, the real stormtroopers. I'm getting to see AT-ATs again, which I only saw in my favorite and the best iteration of Star Wars and Price Strikes Back. I'm getting all that back. But the main reason I'm so excited about this trailer, no Jedi, no Sith, none of this whining about, oh, I have to fight the dark side. Don't fall prey to the dark side. I am so sick of that crap. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jedi have become the most boring Thing in the universe, and now they're whiny Kanye Wests, if you look at Kylo <laughs> Ren. So I am so, so glad that I'm not going to have to, I, I'm going to miss a lightsaber battle. I, 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 will, I would like to see that, but if it means I don't have to put up with the same narrative about, is he going to go to the dark side? Is he going to turn to the dark side? Is he going to give in to the Force, or to, to, to the Sith, or whatever? Great. I'm not if I if I don't see a Jedi in this film, I'm not mad at it. It looks like this is going to be a a film that's more like a heist movie or a, Serenity. a thriller or a um a spy type of thing, and I am completely fine with it. So I am so glad. I, that that's all I had to say. That's not yeah, controversial. Know, I, I, we all on board. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, we all on the same well, page. Listen, I just. I just came back from my comic book shop, and I had my daily, you know, pugilistic encounter with those guys. And I told them the same thing, and, I, and they said, well, wait, the Jedi and the Force and the Dark Side, that's the whole oh, crux of Star Wars. And I'm like, that's the problem with Star Wars. It's gotten boring. It's got, it's a crutch. I've got seven movies. I've got seven movies where the basic arc is, is he going to turn to the same. Dark Side? That's it. Well, but that's why I brought up the Star Wars annual from this year, because that focused less on that, and that focused on, like, like their version of James Bond, or at least the Rebellion's version of James Bond, and trying to get information or trying to kill the Emperor. The, the plan switched midway of that, but it, it focused on that. It was not much Force stuff in it. So that's why I said people looking at this movie, if you've read the comics— all right, check out the, the, the Star Wars annual from this year from Marvel. Check it out because that's no force, just straight-up espionage. That's what this looks like. It looks like a combination espionage serenity type, and that's not a bad thing, not bad thing can at I, all. Can I say one last thing uh, real quick, two seconds? Yeah, sure, sure. sure, the, only sure problem, the only possible problem that could come out of this is that since they're going back in time and showing us something that for since 1977 we allowed our imaginations to show us, they're going to show us how these plans were, were stolen from the Empire. I just don't want it to have the I – don't, I don't want it to leave the taste of midi-chlorians in my mouth. That's the only issue. You know, when you reveal what the Force is, I walk away feeling like I've – well, I don't want to say – I've been assaulted, let's say. Uh, so I don't want this to, to do that. I don't want them to give away anything that's going to ruin what my imagination could have done better in terms of how they got these plans from the Empire. Oh, by the way, Q, I have to ask. Yes, sir. Uh, are you getting your Caucasian shirt? My Caucasian my Caucasian shirt? My Caucasian shirt. You, you got you to check out about. the book. You got to check out the Bomani Jones thing from this week. Pick up your Caucasian shirt. Just okay. throwing All it right. out there. 
Go ahead. Okay. Okay. You know, I I forgot about that because there's so many things going <laughs> around. I, you know, uh, so I'm going to think about doing a show tomorrow on a different level, something different. But uh, yeah, the Bomani Jones thing. He wore like a like the way that we would wear a shirt for uh, you know the wet the, the Redskins. Oh, yeah, more aptly, it's the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians thing. He wore a shirt on ESPN on Thursday. Was it Thursday? Oh. Wednesday or Thursday? Oh. With, in the, the Cleveland vibe, it was the Caucasian vibe with a little white guy like Chief Wahoo. And people were, like, getting mad. And I went like, you know what? I used the time that the show is not on to place my order to get my Caucasian shirt. Just to show pride. I got like to I, I think about that one. <laughs> I gotta think about that. <laughs> <laughs> a minute. That could be a, that could be interpreted so many different ways. Any any time you wear a shirt, it's always the Caucasians anyway. <laughs> that goes back. That goes back. What? I mean, if you want to think, if you want to think metaphysically, the beef. The, the, the thing I said about the the female lead for Rogue One. That's a version of the Caucasians, in a way. I think. I think. I hear what he's trying to say, but. That's what's at, at issue. They don't have to say the Caucasian. There doesn't have to be a. a we get the point. You right. Know? It is anyway. the default. The default setting. Yeah, but it was hilarious to see people get mad. It's a white person. It, it was hilarious to see people get mad over this, and I'm like, okay, so when American Indians and people of color got mad over that. You said, chill, it's just representing a team, da 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 So now that a black man's wearing that, uh, why are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks, let's go to a quick groove. When we get back, I want to talk about this Cloak and Dagger series. And also, for the umpteenth time, and make it short, Batman vs. Superman, only in the sense that there's talk about releasing it Releasing it again in the theaters with an, ex- an extended, with an extended version of it. So they're so so nervous about not being able to make that billion that I thought they weren't not, that they were not going to make. In order for them to make it, they're thinking that they're going to give you three hours and an R-rated extended version in the theaters. So we'll talk about that after this groove. I don't I don't even know what to say about that. I, I have no idea. Anyway, this is. Jamie Lydell, Gypsy Blood. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
we're back. Always give you the best of urban alternative groove. That was Jamie Lydell, Gypsy Blood, UK sound, folks. The call-in number, again, uh, we had our tech problems. But we're back in full effect. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. Our own podcast, pardon me, Enterprise Crew, Full Effect, Claire Lene, yours truly, Captain Kirk, and, of course, the uncanny Daryl B. Um, and we have Q-Storm in effect also. Um, let's just get to this thing because it bugs me so much. It leaves a nasty taste in my mouth. Um, they won't let a, a, a dog remain dead, I think. Um, so much money at stake. This house of cars that we thought was going to be a flimsy, a flimsy build, build anyway. Now there's talk about releasing this thing or extending the release. It's still out in the theaters, but releasing it for three hours, as if it wasn't long enough. Three hours, R-rated, extended version, as if, this, as if that would make it any better. What are your thoughts about that? That It seems it reeks of desperation. Let's go to Claire on this one. Claire, what are your thoughts about this extended thing? They, they seem to need to do something. I mean, you called it. You called it. They know that this rate, they won't be able to make a billion plus. They are just not. I mean, the movie has been out for barely three weeks, and it—I mean, its decline has been staggering. So, the thing is, is that I'm curious to know what the movie theater chains have to say. Because think about it: the longer a movie is, the fewer times throughout the day you will be able to screen it so for a larger movie they have you know multiple screens especially for something like this but if it's not really raking in as much money as you would have hoped then i'm trying to see what the incentive is to to have a three hour movie out there that has already been proven you know lackluster interest i mean People thought, oh, well, you know, the fans, they don't care about what the critics have to say. Okay, well, to a degree, that's true. But the first week, those ticket sales were purchased in advance. Okay? Second week, we're talking 81% drop between Friday to Friday, 69% drop for weekend to weekend. So the reviews and word of mouth, especially for a general audience, it does matter. It does affect the way people feel about seeing something, especially if it's going to be two and a half to three hours long. And I can't imagine that there's half an hour, okay, of footage that is going to suddenly make me love this movie. <laughs> I mean, they are, they were already uh, showing clips about a missing scene that tries to better explain with Lex and, and the whole thing about, the creation of, of Dark Side, sorry, not Dark Side, Doomsday. I mean, I just, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out, you know. I'm tapped out. I hear you. you we have discussed this a, a quite a bit. I'm sure a lot of people have been surprised at the inordinate amount of time people have spent uh, talking about this movie, but it's a very divisive movie. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. People really like it or really despise it, you know. But I'm, yeah, I'm shocked about that, too. I, but let me tell you, Warner Brothers is getting a little uh, concerned, let's just say, because this does not look good. This really doesn't. 
what, $742 million. I mean, it's, it's even weird to even say that it made that much money and it's still going to be considered a flop. I mean, 742 is not nothing to sneeze at, but I guess that a film like this, seeing that other films that are pretty much in the same vein, uh, I mean, hell, you, you know, you, you spent $250 million for this movie, and Deadpool was was $50 million. I think uh, fifty-eight million, I believe, and it makes it made, and it made more than this. Is it, I, I think it was what eight hundred million. Is that how much? How much did uh, the Deadpool make? As I of right Deadpool now, last I checked, last I checked, I think it was like seven hundred and fifty, seven hundred sixty. As of right now, I think I know for sure that it surpassed X Men: Days of Future Past. Oh yeah, De- yeah, De- Deadpool is seven seven. Fifty-four. So Deadpool technically made more money, and cost. I mean, the profit margin is immense, immense. There's no comparison. Uh, you know, if Deadpool can make more money than Batman vs Superman, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a wrap. But uh, I just find it intriguing that they're going to go back into this with the with this extended cut. Uh, let me go to let me go to Daryl quickly now. Let's go around the horn, and then we'll talk about this cloak and dagger deal. Um, Daryl, what are your thoughts about this belief? I don't think they're going to be able to recoup another $200 million to make this thing plausible. But they're throwing it out there. They're considering it. Hey, good luck with uh, um, when your own showrunner says, well, there's no room for joy in my universe. Then why do you need to go see it again? That's the thing, all right? And 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 I I don't know if it's a millennial thing, I don't know if it's a studio thing, but here is why most of the the, the Marvel Universe uh, uh, films you can watch over and over again. There's a sense of joy in it. Nobody wants to be have a sense of gloom over and over and over again in in their entertainment. Why? Because we have to deal with that with our individual days. We don't want to go and be reminded about how dreary the world is. This is supposed to be escapism, isn't it? So I I try I try that's why I told people, all right? Yo, just keep Snyder away from Flash and away from Superman. Just keep him away from there. Why? Because those those heroes, joy is a part of their makeup. Hope is a part of their makeup. There's a reason why Flash is the number one uh, like fantasy show on TV, you know, and close to being the number one show on TV. Why? Because even though they deal with death, even though it's there's serious situations there, it's fun. There's a sense of fun. Like you want to bring this and make it longer and then make it R-rated. That that's great, okay? And what do we talk about a couple of shows past that movie studios will miss the point? Why Deadpool was successful? And sure enough, hey, Warner Brothers, you fell into the trap. Thank you. You know why Deadpool? You could watch over and over again at an R-rated because it was fun. F. U N. There is fun. You could sit down and you could laugh. You could forget about your problems. You could have that that um what do they call it? wish fulfillment. 
as he does stuff you know in regular society you can't get away with. And do it fun with a smile on his face. And, of course, they had Monica Baccarin, and, and um, out, uh, she outclasses any woman that's in um, Batman Superman. Sorry, gal, but uh, Monica, you know, that was my choice to be Wonder Woman. But I digress. That was fun. Back to you, Afro Nerd. All right, Cap. Uh, well, before Cap, let's go. Let's go to Q Storm. What are your thoughts about this this extended? Would Would you go see it again under the circumstances? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just gonna get right to it. Listen, um, it's amazing to me how I don't know who to blame, DC or Warner Brothers. I'm gonna assume Warner Brothers. Um, it seems like they're doing everything to try to come up with a solution except address the problem. And the problem is, listen, Christopher, get Christopher Nolan out of your head. What he did with Batman was great because Batman warrants that type of a treatment and that type of tone. But they're doing everything. They're going to they're gonna reduce the number of movies they put out in a year so they can fix the problem. They're going to re-release this movie and make it even longer when that was part of the critics' issues with it and put it back in the theaters. So those are the solutions that these geniuses have uh, chosen to come up with as opposed to, uh, as opposed to addressing the issue. Zack Snyder. Let me tell you something. Uh, super, uh, the, the Reeves Superman, I don't care what anyone says. Yes, <clears throat> I still hold on to the Reeves Superman. Oh, you got to let that go, man. That was back in the, yeah, the Reeves Superman was successful for a reason. But he's that that Reeves Superman is the reason I decided to go into film and, and video, okay, when I was a kid, all right? So when I saw Man of Steel, I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got Superman. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a bad movie. It, it was it was it was the freshman attempt by Zack Snyder. Now that I see Batman vs Superman, my Man of Steel Blu-ray is now a frisbee. It's a doorstop now because I know that was not an accident. So address the problem, DC Warner Brothers. Get rid of Zack Snyder. Understand why Marvel is successful and copy it. It's not that hard. You know what? They're so stubborn. Uh, They're so stubborn. They are on that strategy of just literally whatever Marvel does, let's do the opposite. So they are, you know, fun and adventurous and you know, funny, humor, light. Well, then we're going to go doom and gloom and dark and you know, gritty and hopeless and despair. Oh, they have a cinematic universe where everything's tied in and interconnected. Oh, well, we're going to keep everything separate. We're going to have a flash on TV. We're going to have a flash in the movie. We're going to try. You know, I, they're so stubborn. And the thing is, is that they don't have a point person that can facilitate all these different properties and have any sense of what the greater goal is, the vision. Knowing what the business side requires in terms of the marketing, in terms of, you know, moviegoers' taste, in terms of what people want to see, and in terms of being extremely knowledgeable and well-versed in comic book lore. And yes, being able to appreciate and respect the canon, but also knowing that you got to get with the times. So I don't believe Warner Brothers or DC has that person. They've been looking. They've been looking for a Kevin Feige. They've been looking for a Joss Whedon, and they, they just don't have it. They don't, because Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns and Diane Nelson, okay, they got other hats that they got to wear within the, within the company. 
that's just not what they do. So until they find someone that knows, you know, what's up, I, 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 I'm still upset at the fact that as of right now, Zack Snyder is still on board with Justice League Part 1 and Part 2. Because at this point, knowing that and having seen BDS, I have no interest. I'll be honest. I really don't have any interest in Justice League anymore. I'd rather see the individual movies. I want to see Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman. I want to see James Wan's Aquaman. I want to see this stuff. I don't care now, knowing that Zack Snyder is behind the wheel still. I'm, I'm, I, I just don't care, you know, because I know exactly what I'm going to get. Depressing, long, back pain. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> she brought up the right name and the perfect person to take over. You know, James Wan, did you see what he's done with Fast and Furious? Did, did you see some of his adventure stuff? Notice he had fun in those films? Just just putting it out there, Warner Bros. And, and Warner Bros. also, um, Fabro is a free agent. You know, John Favreau is out there. Whedon in a year is a free agent, just putting it out there. And, oh, yeah, 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 we have guys like F. Gary Gray and stuff out there also, just letting you know. You don't have to be wedded to Snyder for all of this. For the love of God, you don't have to be. I, I, I find it very <laughs> difficult, and I know Cap can probably talk more on the business side, but I find it very difficult to think that they're not going to cut this guy loose. I mean, it would be absurd. For him to be connected for two, for two more films after the first film, which is really what, what everything's supposed to be based on. The first film is supposed to be the foundation, and it can't make a billion dollars. Whereas all these other lighter films that are ter- be below tertiary, they're below tertiary. Deadpool isn't even Iron Man, and it made more money than B versus S. Cap, any thoughts on the extended version potentially being released by Warner Brothers? Well, first, this is what everyone asks. The reason why I'm talking about because you're dealing with two of the biggest epic characters in comic book history. In case you're if you're to a wall, you're your door not just a door knock, turn left, turn right, that's Batman and Superman. So you have to talk about it in an extended universe type of manner. That's number one. Number two, the problem that you're dealing with DC is it's not just Max Zack Snyder. It's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as that. It was simple as that everybody comes out and does $1.5 billion, $1.7 billion with movies. Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback. The problem is it's the executives, it's the leadership. It's as simple as this, but at the same time very convoluted. There's a difference saying, okay, a storm is coming in six months. You need to build a shelter. You got six months to build it. Oh, you look up, home is coming. We have to find shelter. It's a huge difference. Now you're reacting. So any shelter that you build is not going to be as good as the people who took six months to build a shelter. So there's a whole difference in leadership. Now, to add to something that Q-Storm said pertaining to Superman, you can't go redo that Superman. That Superman was too good. It's too good. That movie was just too good. And they realized that. They realized it, and it somewhat backfired on That movie was too good. You can't, you can't do that. That's done. Some things you can't get into, as you see with all these remakes. Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes they do get it good, 
But a lot of times, that's not the case. You know, when something is sometimes is too good, sometimes you just got to leave it alone from that perspective. So they felt more or less they can't redo that type of Superman. So they tried to go somewhere else. And probably Zack Snyder wasn't the guy to probably go do that. So we had an all right. It was all right. So I agree with Q-Storm with that. It was all right. Now, we we releasing this. DC, your butt hurt. What's happening right now? Your butt hurt because you're a bunch of female dogs and you got too emotional and you reacted. And this is, what, this is where you are now. You did all right, but you thought because you have these top brass characters, the biggest characters, you could just throw some shenanigans together, and then everyone's just, just going to go, oh, this is the best thing ever. You're going to do $2 billion. It's not easy to do $2 billion. Not to go off on a tangent, but it's tangentially related. When Star Wars dropped, oh, it's going to break Avatar numbers. Really? Did you see the Avatar movie? Did you see how well it was written? Yes, you had the special effects, but look at the screenplay. Star Wars didn't have a screenplay like that, so it's not that easy. Everything has to come together for you to, for these type of things to happen. Sun, moon, and stars have to line up. So DC needs to check themselves via the executives, because if the executives don't check themselves and get their act together, they could bring in somebody else, and they still get some feces on the screen. Back over to you, sir, Afro Nerd. All right, enough of the Batman versus Superman. We're not going to see it. <laughs> we'll, 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 ch- we'll check for uh, for for Suicide Squad, I, I, but even then, I'm I'm nervous about that with the rewrites and that that, that gave the. I think that might have had the same kind of tone, although the trailer looked to be interesting. The, the music, the vibe, it seemed to be a much cooler project. But you know, based on what we're hearing. We may be going back into this same conversation again with Suicide Squad, but I hope not. Anyway, um, Cloak and Dagger. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of elated with with this whole thing. I mean, the, the fact that just so many characters are being sprinkled all over the place, and again, another Disney house, uh, Freeform, formerly ABC Family, they're going to get this Cloak and Dagger thing. A Cloak and Dagger. Um, uh, Long-time ancillary characters. They've been around since the early 80s. It might be some stereotypical tropes with their being, if I remember the the story correctly, that they were experimented on and they they were kind of homeless kids. And you you have the interracial angle on this one. Uh, But I I think in the early days they really weren't romantically involved per se. Now they kind of sort of are. So they've they've kind of updated it now. Uh, Forever intertwined as far as the power set. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued as to how they will do this as far as the CGI. I mean, I hope it's I hope it's fairly decent. And the fact that it is on ABC Family or, or pardon me, Freeform, I'm led to assume that any of the any of the other characters that are on ABC or Netflix they could t- could potentially make a cameo on this thing. Um, Marvel doesn't seem to shy away from that. So, what are your thoughts about? The potential for a cloak and dagger, you know, well, potential has already been greenlighted. Um, what, what would you want to, Daryl? You, you might have more information on the lore. I mean, I, I've been in and out of their story, stories, and I know there also there's an animated. I think with that stupid um, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, they 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 they're in there every once in a while. But what what are your thoughts about what they're going to do or what they could potentially do? What would you want to see from a cloak and dagger series, live action? Well, it- 
Well, here's the thing. One, this will be definitely for young adults. This is teen young adult territory here, Cloak and Dagger. Two, they're entrenched in the Spidey universe. Okay, they they are essentially entrenched in the Spidey universe. But they'll give a young adult perspective. You know, essentially they came about when Spidey get, got older and Spidey is taken to being a partial mentor to them because he sees a lot of teenage him in Cloak and Dagger. All right. So I'm not saying we're going to get to see Spider-Man in this series, but what I'm I am saying is you're going to get a young adult vibe definitely from this. Now, since they don't have a rogues gallery of their own, this is a chance now for Marvel and Disney to get creative and pick and choose different characters for them to play off of. And I could see if if anybody's picked up the 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 ultimate series before this one the all new ultimates that had um that had spidey black widow cloak and dagger bombshell if you picked up any of that run i would say get ready to see some forms of those characters in this like i said they can't touch spider-man because of the film uh, and all of that that rigmarole Okay, I don't think they can use the name Black Widow in this. But all possible they can use Jessica Drew. All possible that you could have a form of Hydra. <laughs> you know, all possible that they'd be dealing with street crime and 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 going up against the Roxin Corporation. Right? Uh, uh, bombshell. You could have those elements in here, but. Essentially, it's it, it. This could be their runaways, in the fact that you're taking two characters, lesser known on the mainstream scale, who don't have a rogues gallery of their own, and you could see through their eyes the Marvel universe, and that might be interesting. Again, it gives them a chance to be creative. How successful they'll be. I don't know. We got to see. But a couple of weeks ago, I was railing on the Marvel and DC about not taking advantage of the properties they had and how quickly stuff changes in like two weeks. Back to you, Afrina. Yeah, I mean, listen, we just got off of this tour de force with the Punisher and Daredevil and Elektra. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is still in New York City. I would find it hard to believe that we're not going to see some kind of crossover appeal. Um, Claire, what are your thoughts? Are you familiar with Cloak and Dagger? Uh, to be honest with you, not particularly. But that that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a blank slate. I'm going to send you some information on them. But it, they they were ancillary characters to a certain degree. Uh, they came out from, uh, like Daryl said, Peter Parker's spectac- the spectacular Peter Parker comic book in the early 80s. And it was basically street kids, that, if I remember correctly, Daryl, that were experimented on. Yeah. Experimental and drugs. They, I don't know how well they could do that, but experimented on. Like I said, the the origin in uh, the Ultimate Universe kind of works, where she's like a kid reporter with the newspaper. He's a class president. They They hit it off and they're heading to prom, they get into an accident, they're both in a coma, all right? 
And then somehow the Roxon Corporation pays off their parents or whatever or declares them dead. That frees them up to, to experiment on them. All right? And essentially, for the D.C. heads out there that don't know, Cloak and Dagger are like Jade and Obsidian. All right? His powers, he's an active doorway to the Dark Force dimension. And if you get sucked in, you see some of your worst nightmares. Okay? Dagger, Dagger's the opposite. She is bright white. A cute jokes here since she is white, but she 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 can for, uh, form like light daggers and emit bright light. So she's like dazzler light. But here it is: the black man, total darkness, moody. The white girl filled with optimism, eternally in right. And oh my God, they've done Batman, Superman better than Batman, Superman. Sorry, I had to get one yeah. last dig in. <laughs> but, but, but there's also some hints of, I mean, again, we're talking about early 80s. You know, the guy's name is Tyrone Johnson. As, you know, <laughs> Ty. You know, I, you know, not that I would prefer, not that I would prefer Taekwon Johnson anymore. And the girl's name is Mandy. Tandy. Like Mandy. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Tandy. My bad. But Tandy yeah, and Ty. Yeah, but uh, Tandy's a stripper name now, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't want to take it there, but hey. <clears throat> no, but I'm Can saying I... that, you know, this is when you get into some of these characters that are, that are dated, and you have to kind of clean the dust that, that that's off of them. I mean, if you go back into their actual beginnings, I, I, rem- I remember the story a little bit, that these were street kids that were given this, this type of heroin, this synthetic heroin. This kind of and that heroin the heroin induced these powers. So now, because of the PC part of it, they straighten them out where they're both you know students and kind of upwardly mobile and onward and upward. Uh, but that's not how they began. They began as kids on the street. And they got back back to heroin. Yeah. I had a question. Am I unmuted? No, you got it. Go. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm on now. Granted, this is Wikipedia, but there is a footnote for this, so it does lend some veracity. This is uh, Ed Hannigan, the artist. The artist of, I guess he was on Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, when they came, when he and Matt Mo came up with the characters. And this is a quote. He says it was fairly obvious that Cloak would be black, and have a big animated black cloak, and Dagger would be white with a skin-tight leopard-type thing. Yeah, that that is not the, exactly the most PC quote of all time. I remember groaning reading that quote. Thank you. Now, I don't yeah. know these characters, and I, I read about them. The <laughs> only thing I know about them is from uh, the Morales Ultimate Spider-Man because they made an appearance in that book. Yeah. But well, what's that about? Can someone explain that to me? But, Why is it uh, obvious that Cloak would be black? Well, hey, like I said, that's back in the eighties and thing. They've they've gone through a lot of rehab uh, rehabilitation. Like I said, in the Ultimates run, and you read the precursor to it by reading them, and um, because they were introduced into that universe through Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. All right, but it's just like the Wonder Woman thing. The way they began, and you see how they began now. You're like. Yeah, I don't think that would work today if we introduced it like that. You know that that even in the '90s when I first saw that quote in the '90s, I had to go, 
Hey, hey, he said what? <laughs> and make that that Arnold like what are you talk about, Mr. Drummond? You know, making that face like they did not actually say this in a newspaper so that the public could read it. But he said it in a newspaper so the public could read it. Well, so. there's, some, there's something else that even bothered me about this. It was since <sighs> you referenced the ultimate line. I've said this ad nauseum on the show that with the the ultimate line should have been should have been that diverse thing that we were looking for. In other words, it would have allowed the the regular comic book storylines for people that need to see their traditional comic books the way they wanted to. That could have been maintained. But if you're going to make an ultimate line for the 21st century, it should have represented the 21st century. And all they did was essentially rebooted everything, made everyone younger more or less. But with this uh, with the cloak and dagger, what I would have expected, you see, again, you're not you're, you're looking at people that are completely clueless, and they can't read the room well. When they came up with rebooting them, rebooting even even cloak and dagger in the ultimate world, ultimate universe, they should have made cloak white, dagger black, just for well, just for s and giggle. And then we Why have sleepy hollow. But I will say. In the regular universe, their color scheme changed. Cloak was a black man with his cloak being pure white. And Dagger ended up throwing black light like daggers. That was before the Secret Wars thing happened. And it confused the hell out of everybody because they were used to their power sets the way it was before. And they got accused of being scrolls. Folks, I am not making this up. Well, yeah. well, well listen, we, 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 we know, but the, the cloak and dagger thing, even in 1982, but I guess people weren't, weren't being progressive even in 82. But just because, just because cloaks are perceived as being dark doesn't mean that you have to literally match up the black man with the cloak power and the white woman with this bright light thing. It, didn't have, it would have been more um, interesting if they turned, turned that perception on his head, especially going back into this. So even, oh, uh, so it, even in a lot of Remember how action, I showed you that picture? Remember that picture I showed you about the, the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah, yeah. Right, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, you got to have the Same yellow book. ranger as the Asian and the black ranger as the black guy. Yeah. Beat him over the head with it. Hey, but a couple years later, we did get a black cloak. It was just it was Raven in the DC universe. Oh yeah, well, yeah, I guess you got to think of it that way. <laughs> just and we got Obsidian, who was a white guy, uh, thing, and Jade was you know green. Well, so, listen, but, 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 listen. But, but we're talking, but we're talking literally about the naming and the naming and the, the color matching to the ethnicity. It's crazy. It's like if you look at any of those super any of those super friend episodes. I mean, now the cool thing, if for people who are, are, are who are skilled writers, when they talk about all those black superheroes that had to have black before their name, some of them will say that it, I think I think Black Lightning uh, had a conversation in in, in, in a uh, one of uh, McDuffie's runs of the Justice League and talked about you know. That's what we named ourselves back then, and uh, you know cause it makes it seem as if the black is part of your power set. You know, it's unnecessary. Or compare, was it Apache chief? And he, you know, obviously we we couldn't tell he's, he's Native American, so you have to 
I mean, all these things, did you, you should be seeing that now. Oh, but uh, as you bring that up, another quick aside, DC last week also released a collected edition of Black Lightning's, Black, uh, Tony Isabel's Black Lightning. So be on the lookout for that. That got released last week. Go ahead. Continue. I had someone, someone on, on hold as well. Sorry about that. 703, welcome to the Grindhouse. Good evening, everyone. How are you doing? How you doing up, there, man? Doing all right. This is Bison for Life. I'm just calling in and joining the conversation. And um, I really didn't want to call in. I just wanted to listen, but I just said, let me call in. So um, great exchange as usual, Captain, Claire, Daryl, and, and, and Deaver. So I don't know if um, Q-Storm is still on. So the great discussion. Um, I don't know. I don't want to backtrack to Batman. I think that horse has been beaten enough. It's still making money. It's made more money than Captain America too, and Spider Man. So, at the end of the day, it's all it's all about capitalism. So, capitalism will trump everything at the end of the day. But I do want to comment on um, Cloak and Dagger. Um, yeah, sure, sure. I'm I'm not feeling this. I mean, I was never a fan. I don't want to get. I kind of touched on it in the chat room. I noticed every time when the um, comic was rebooted or, you know, had a reimagining, the um, and forgive me saying this, Claire, I'm going to just use it for um, effect, that um, the female characters' boobs tend to get larger, like power, <laughs> like power Girls. So you deal with that subset of the fan base. So I, I just think it's only so much they can do with that, um, with that um, title. So, well, that's but, that's I mean, why the uh, that's why I recommend the ultimate the the reintroduction that Q brought up with the uh, on the ultimate side, which made them teenagers, where it was less sexually glorified, you know, where it was their personalities that carried the duo, not that. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like about that, I think I I dipped my toe in that one. The, the male character was um, so. I mean, he was, it was almost like the magical Negro trope. He was just sort of following her around with goo-goo eyes, and it was just... But like you said, it was made, it, it was made for a younger demographic, much younger than myself. Was this like, but was this like, was this like, like Finn in, in Star Wars? Uh, Anybody, is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Or, no, 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 no. It, it was worse than that. It, yeah, uh, it was worse because than that. because he's supposed to be before the change a school board president, right? He was supposed to have some knowledge behind him. That's what he was supposed to be. After he gets the powers, let's just say he doesn't have a lot smart to say. Let's put it that way. Well, the I want to back along a little. Okay, go ahead. I was no, just going to quickly say, uh, I was going to say their power set doesn't seem like it would make for a very interesting visual appeal either. Well, mm. that's why I'm that's why I'm hoping that. that's why I'm hoping at least hers hers is weaponized. You can weaponize that easy. His, I hope they add that nightmare element to it where you you his darkness creeps over you and you're reliving bad nightmares but the problem is with that then you're creeping in on what obsidian does over at dc you know and and what rape so so they, also they creeping into what Scholar, which did in the avengers which i didn't no, find about that multiculturalism it's about multicultural screw all of that that's it <laughs> 
Well, speaking of multiculturalism, I want to move things forward. It's kind of on the same issue. That there was there was always this kind of reticence about the intimacy between the black and white characters. Would I, that's the one thing that's kind of weird. Uh, and we still kind of go into this a little bit in the 21st century, but it's harder to get harder to do this. But uh, again, you have a black black male, white female, and there's going to be some kind of um, awkwardness on the part of the of the larger power structure to want to see that commingling, although it happens every day. But when it comes down to fictionalizing it, somehow they get weird about that. Uh, I remember the book, the books where they didn't really they they. they they were like friends. They really weren't intimate, and now they're like, I think, now they're just straight-up boyfriend and girlfriend or something to that effect, or, or in and out of relationships. So I think they've, they've kind of addressed that. Now, we're going into this Wonder Woman Earth One book, which I have yet to get, but I will get it. And they're, they're, they are unpacking on this. All of the, the things that were a little bit um, hinted at with Wonder Woman, now they're addressing it more forthrightly in Earth One. Um. Listen, we know that, that uh, Themyscira or Paradise, Paradise Island is supposed to be proxy for the Greek island of Lesbos. Um, you, can hint, you, can, you can read into that what you will, but there's always been that kind of thing around Wonder Woman. But Wonder Woman has had traditional hetero relationships. Um, this turnaround... I think they're hinting at her being more bisexual, and rather she had, and rather that she had some kind of a relationship uh, in this Earth One. Um, Steve Trevor is black this time. Now, already, I see they're not trying to get into some kind of intimacy there. So why would you make all these changes when Steve Trevor was blonde-haired and blue-eyed? There was the intimacy. Now you're going to be progressive and have a black Steve, uh, black Steve Trevor. Now they're, they're having some awkwardness, unless they unless they eventually have a relationship. I don't know, but there's a number of things that they've done with the Earth One. This is only what I've been reading about. I have yet to actually buy the book. Dow, did you happen to get this book? And what, what are you seeing? Nope, I haven't touched any of the Earth One books. The the reason why is after the All Star fiasco. It's going to take a while for me to, to to venture into that part of the pool. All right, they they again, they're trying to freshen up the line, but isn't that what they're doing with Rebirth? Isn't that what they're doing with with, with the DCNU? You know, isn't that what they they've been constantly doing? Now, eventually, I'll get around to getting to the library and reading this. I, I'm not going to lie; I'm going to get around to reading it, but it's. What's the best way to say it? Sometimes in the effort to freshen up a character or make a character more relatable or bring them into whatever time period you're writing, you lose some of the essences that makes that character great. I have faith in Grant Morrison. Don't get me wrong. Grant Morrison, JLA, Grant Morrison, The Invisibles, Grant Morrison, just about anything Grant Morrison does, he, 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 he expands your mind and stuff like that. But I focus less on the Trevor's now black one or she's now bi because you know what? Those could work as great concepts. My thing is you're throwing it in at us all at once. 
and that that may put off of some fans. Back to you, Afrina. And they also on the cover, she's in chains, and they're also hearkening back to the GGA art of the '40s, the good girl art of the '40s that was it was highly sexualized, and there was always this S and M thing going on. And if you know William Marsden, and I've mentioned this on air also, sometimes the the, the life the lifestyles of the creators are more interesting than the superheroes because this guy was a feminist as a male. He was a feminist and lived with two, lived with two women, and there was S&M things going on. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, it makes it pretty interesting just anecdotally that he's the creator of the lie detecting, lie detecting machine uh, in real life. Hence you have the, um, the, her lasso. So... I just find that his, his 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 personal life and his agenda definitely played a role in the inception of that character. That character was always supposed to be this this feminist uh, empowered woman. Uh, and knowing that he had you know he had an agenda, that that prob- that sexual element was always kind of in there. Now after like seventy five years, they decided to actually explore what was always kind of there anyway. Um, I mean, there's even a scene where allegedly she just grabs Steve Trevor's junk, even though not going to have it, just to make sure she was a she was she never saw a man before, as if she had to like do that as a greeting, <laughs> like to, to, to touch the guy's thing to see, oh, are, are you are you a man? Hey, right, come on, come on, that ain't so special. Claire does that every day. Oh, okay, I was about to say like that's my handshake. Yeah, well, like I said. <laughs> In my world, forget it, we're going to get into a raunchy conversation. I'm not doing that. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. You brought it up. No, but I brought it up because that's what that's how the comic book plays out. Like it's 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 stuff going on that Wonder Woman wouldn't normally do. So I, I got to get the book. But bottom line is, the brother should whatever. Don't just because he turned black all of a sudden. There's, there's, no, there's no shenanigans going on. I want shenanigans. I'm just saying. You want you shenanigans. Go, you well, yes, I want equal. Don't we want diversity? <laughs> I want equal time. So you I want him to you want him to grab Wonder Woman's junk and lose arms in the process? No, I ain't supposed to go that way. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> and also... And also, to be stereotypical, if she grabbed the brother man's junk, she should have said something else, too. Oh, you're a black male. Now, I would have accepted that. Oh, I would have accepted God. that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bison, you got to come just back for your boy here. You got to come back here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> we have One lost all thing. control, got, folks. This is fun. Quick. Qu- we got we have we have a few minutes quickly. Uh, damn that tech problems, man. Um, Joe Illich, our friend Joe Illich, shout out to him from the missions, uh, comic book resources. And it, there's clips of of yours truly at this event a few weeks ago at um, Amalgam Amalgam Comics, Amalgam Philly, and he has a piece uh, which I think is quite you know quite accurate about how he thinks that. DC has died, in quotes, Oof. in order for there to even be a rebirth. Did you see this thing, Daryl? Well, yeah. 
He goes in. He says some stuff that might be pretty controversial. Uh, I think he was spot on. <laughs> Just a bit. I think so too. Just a bit. But that that that's why we love Joe. You know, you like him, loathe him, respect him. You have to pay attention to what he says. Now, you may not agree, but we can all come to a point that if you've read the universe, DC did not actually go in totally with a 100% plan here across the board. They piecemealed this thing, and it collapsed under its own weight. Well, what do you think about him saying that that he felt that the, the, the death of DC started with Infinity Crisis? With the rape, the rape of uh, Sue Dibney. Identity crisis. It was, it was jarring. Well, yeah, because uh, identity, identity crisis. Sorry, yeah, identity. Yeah, identity crisis. Pardon me, identity crisis. Well, well, let's put it this way. That was that was the first sign that okay, like stuff like the killing joke was was supposed to be oh it's an ancillary story it's separate we could still have a sense of fun here that move took one of the most likable couples that that DC's ever produced wrecked them and exposed all the dark issues of the heroes matter of fact i can say that that book started this whole hero versus hero craze where oh Oh, oh, you did this to me? You're supposed to be a good guy. There's no such thing as good guys anymore. It's shades of gray. That book could be looked at as the start across board of where we started having heroes fighting heroes, even before Civil War, where, oh, you, Batman got brainwashed. Oh, we've been keeping secrets all this time. Oh, and, 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 and meanwhile, a lovable woman died. And it turns out died for no good reason, you know. So it started the it was started the age of the end of the innocence. The problem is when you're dealing with iconic figures like DC does, end of innocence means you're getting rid of joy, you're getting rid of hope, to getting rid of inspiration, and that's blood through everything. Back to you, Alfred. You know we got seconds. Let's go five minutes if you would like. A little deeper, even though technically the show will be over, but it will be in podcast form because of our tech difficulties. Um, I want to go more into this. What are your thoughts about this, Q, about the death, or even the the death of D.C. and this whole rebirth line? You know, I don't really have a dog in that race. I, I... I I don't have a dog in that race. I, I, I stopped reading comic books on the regular... You know, a few years ago, just because it got so commercialized and there wasn't any fun anymore. So I only pick up a couple books a month now, so I don't really have much to offer to that. Fair enough. All right. In that case, I'm going to call it because of our tech difficulties. Um, We didn't get a chance to speak about um, Van Jones, and we'll do that at some other point. Van Jones coming out as a blurt, actually. This is a three-part, a three-part issue of or a three-part article in uh, Bleeding Cool, interviewing Van Jones, uh, the CNN analyst and uh, essentially Obama's boy, <laughs> to say to say it more uh, colloquially, that he is uh, he name drops some some real 
obscure Marvel reference, I think Sebastian Shaw, and then that puts people out and says, okay, wait a minute, this guy has to know more about comic books. You just can't throw out a name like Sebastian Shaw and not be a comic book head. So uh, they did a three-part series with Van Jones about his love for comic books. So we'll talk about that next week, I guess. There's a lot of things and, to get into. And As always, also, folks. Uh, wait, wait. And also, quick this week also, all right? Last week, the, the Bruce Lee book got released. Just to let you folks know, okay? And this week, Stranger Comics, Arutun number one gets released. That's out of the Niobe universe. Look for it. Sounds good. As always, appreciate your support, folks. Claire, uh, Captain Kirk, the indefatigable Daryl B. We'll do it again next week, as always. This is Smooth and Terrell. Higher. We'll see you guys next week. It's been real. <laughs>